All right, let's kick off hour two with a segment we call About Last Night. Take it away, Sam. Thanks, John. You're welcome. We got some news with the Tennessee Vols yesterday. Tennessee running back coach Jerry Mack is headed to the NFL to take a job uh, with the Jacksonville Jaguars as their running back coach. It is going to be just the third assistant to leave the Tennessee program in Josh Heupel's four years, the other two being Kelsey Pope, our old wide receiver coach, going to the uh, New Orleans Saints, as well as obviously Alex Golish taking the head spot over there at South Florida. Uh, this is a tough one. I mean, it's a guy that came in with a lot of experience, uh, you know, was a offensive coordinator at Rice before he came on our staff. Um, and kind of was heading up that offense. And so that was a guy with a lot of experience kind of coming into a, a program with, you know, Hypo obviously kind of coming in and being a, a head coach at a big-time program. So you'll lose your running back coach. You'll have a spot that you need to fill on your offensive staff. But I think you got some guys in that running back room. you got to feel good. Overall, Bob, when you hear that it's only the third coach leaving – does that make you think, huh, family, Josh Heupel's doing a good job of keeping these guys, the Tennessee's doing a good job of paying them, or is it like there's not a lot of assistant coaches that people want to hire away, or like, how do you look at it? It depends on who you talk about, but I, I mean, because I know there's been a lot of... Uh, no one's beating down the door for Willie Martinez. Exactly. I was just going to say a lot of sentiments. I'll say it. You, you, don't, you don't have to say it. Yeah. You're, 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 you're sweet. You're yeah. being sweet. I'll, I'll say it. You're talking about Willie Martinez and, yes. and such. Yes. Yeah, I think that it's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I think Hype's got a good culture going on, and I think some of the coaches like being there. But, yeah, maybe there's a few that are not so marketable. It feels like, I mean, whenever I was talking about the football program, I did stop and think about Tony Vitello, you know, the season getting ready to start. And, you know, he's been able to keep Frank Anderson for a long time. Yeah. And like he's been rumored to get plugged. And, you know, some big-time schools of, you know, I believe Texas was the last one that kind of made a big run at him and you thought was going to maybe hire him away. And, and Vitello was able to keep him too. So maybe it's just the Tennessee culture is just really healthy. And, you know, goalish you understand, right? Like goalish you want to go be a head coach, especially at a place like Southern Florida where I do think you can actually win. You could say the same for <clears throat> for Barnes too. I mean, the coaches that leave, they're going for a head coaching job. Yeah, right? yeah. No, Barnes. Like you know, you can't say that he's been able to keep his assistants, but it's been the opposite of like, hey, he's building a coaching tree, and they're being so respected. And college basketball is different. Like college basketball, there doesn't seem to be any like high paid coordinators, right? Yeah. Like in, the, in in college football, you could stay and be a coordinator somewhere and make a couple million dollars a year, and you know that that's good money, right? That's a good position. It's better to be a defensive coordinator at Tennessee or an offensive coordinator at Tennessee than it is to be a head coach at Georgia State or or at uh, SMU, you know, some of the schools that Barnes has left got lost guys to. In college basketball, that's not really the same. I don't know how much assistant coaches make, but I imagine it's not, you know, near as much as the high-paid football assistants or, you know, even – I'm not even talking about coordinators. I'm talking about the high-paid assistants. Yeah. You just reminded me of something that we haven't talked about and maybe for another time, but – um, and I'm doing my best. I don't really talk about Purdue much, but they are the example here. You know, Purdue's basketball team has an offensive coordinator. Sure. And I guess that's starting to become a trend with some programs. It's uh, it, it's something I'd never heard of till just this season. At the college level, you don't hear about it much, but like in the NBA, that gets yeah. talked about a lot. Like I mean, even the first time maybe I remember like really hearing about it or at least focusing on it, you know, it goes back to like 2008. They always talked about how Doc Rivers and like that Celtic staff, how Tom Thibodeau was their defensive coordinator. 
Yeah. And he was on that yeah. staff, and like him and KG basically just created that defense that won them a championship. And you'll have like you know D'Antoni had defensive coordinators, or you know yeah. some offensive specialists. You don't hear about it much in college called coordinators, but. I do think you have guys that run the defense versus run the offense. Well, and I think there was the unspoken always back in the Bruce Pearl era that Jason Shea was his offensive guy. Right. He he drew up all the offenses and was was good at it. So, so. I, I don't think it's a new concept, but like the phrase and getting yeah, thrown to around, formalize it. Right? I've seen people starting to like talk about it more. But yeah, I mean, I do think you had specialized coaches on each side of the ball. But yeah, in basketball, like you know, Barnes is doing what we've kind of begged our coaches to do, which is kind of create a tree whenever it comes time to, like, yeah. look for hires. Like, you're going to have – I would imagine you're going to have, you know, a handful of coaches with Tennessee ties whenever Barnes does decide to hang it up. Now, whether or not that means Denny White lets Barnes, you know, kind of have an assistant coach to bring home or whatever, that's a different story because I think Denny White's going to want to make a, a national hire whenever it's time for him to go and make a hire. But you're going to have plenty of guys with Tennessee ties that probably view this as a – Big time job. I don't know about dream jobs, but like big time jobs. But oh yeah, I was here whenever we won, and yeah, this is a good place, and yeah, I can go there, and I know I can win, I know I can get this thing rolling. So that's good. We don't really have that in football. Not that's a lot true. of not a lot of assistant coaches that have come through at Tennessee have have gone on to like bigger and better things, or gone on to like really solidify themselves. Kind of goalish is the only name mm-hmm. so far, right? I mean, like T. Martin, of course has ties in coaching circles and, you know, is in the NFL with the Ravens and all that. But, like, he's not ever going to be the head man there. He's not He's not thought of as that. I saw Nick Sheridan is, like, kind of, like, a, a, on Alabama staff, and that was a blast from the Butch Jones Pass of a name that you remember. Yeah. yeah good job by Barnes on replenishing that. And uh, Congrats to Jerry Mack. I guess that was your headline. Jerry Mack. <laughs> gets to go and not have to worry about recruiting. Yeah. So that's a big win for him. I don't know what the money situation is, if he's getting a raise or whatever, but I've he might be been, taking a – go ahead. I've heard he's been trying to get out of Tennessee for the last year or so. Uh, he was a big name for that MTSU job before Derek Mason got it. I've heard he wanted that pretty bad. So I think he's kind of trying to get out of the college game and be you know, either more of like a – CEO type leader, or just going to the NFL game. Yeah, I mean, if you get a chance to be a head coach, maybe it's worth sticking around at. But like, yeah, if you're just saying, hey, you could be a position coach in college or a position coach in the NFL, I think right now, especially, everyone's like, yeah, I'll be a position coach in the NFL. Yeah, where I don't have to recruit my yeah. own roster mm-hmm. and worry about contracts. The GM does that. Yeah. In college football, again, here we got a head coaching hire. UCLA has hired former player Deshaun Foster. Uh, to be their new head coach. This one seems to be a, a huge team favorite. Uh, UCLA posted a couple videos of them announcing Deshaun Foster as their head coach, kind of in their team meeting. Huge reaction. Seems to be a, a player favorite and a guy that you know is a, a big locker room guy and has the support of, of that team over there at UCLA. Uh, but this is a guy that they seem pretty excited about. Obviously, um, he used to play there, former running back there, um, spent some time as a grad assistant and then kind of went another went to Texas Tech and then has come back and been their running back coach for, for six years and then now is uh, promoted to their head coach. So it seems like a, a fan favorite and a, a player favorite as well for UCLA. Well, I do like this method better than 
going out and hiring Arizona's coach who had just came from where? San Diego State or Fresno? Or San Jose. San State. Jose yeah. State. Yeah, like I, I like this better. The vibes will be better. And if you're at UCLA, football, like, is that not kind of what you're just worried about right now? The vibes, like, keeping the roster somewhat intact and, like, just being fun and, like, doing something to try to energize the fan base because whatever hire they were going to make was not going to energize that fan base. Mm-hmm. Now, whether or not. Deshaun Foster is able to get people actually in attendance and like people buying and buying into the program and spending money. That's a different story. But this is kind of like the Tennessee, you know, had they just promoted Kippy Brown, you know, that was always talked about here, like after after Lane Kiffin left. Because Lane Kiffin left about this time, right? I mean, it was it was late January. It was like basically the first of February, right? I mean, it was right before signing right. day. So it was like last weekend of January. And you scrambled, and you hired Derek Dooley, and of course you know what history says, but everyone's like, oh man, you should just let Kippy do it for a year, and either he gets the job, or you can go out and make a real hire afterwards. It kind of seems like maybe that's what UCLA is trying. Deshaun Foster was second team All-American in 2001 at UCLA. He was a second round draft pick in the NFL. I don't really remember his NFL career with the Panthers. I don't, I mean, it was in the early 2000s, I don't really remember it, but I guess he was on that team that went to the Super Bowl. Yeah, he was he was definitely a stud at okay. UCLA, not in not so much in the NFL. Yeah, I mean he's all American. I don't really remember his time with yeah. the Panthers. I just reposted. Uh, bit, I guess now that I mentioned it, the Super Bowl, I guess I do kind of remember that name now. I just reposted the video from UCLA football where they announced him. Yeah. And, I mean the team goes nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm get I'm guessing from the booster side because they do have a lot of well heeled boosters. It may not be. I'm sure they're ha- they're okay with it. They're content with it. They probably want a bigger bang than that, but they weren't going to get it. That's all there is to it. I think this is a good hire for them. Their athletic director's happy. They said yeah. in this article, it says <laughs> the athletic directors have to go out and make a have to hire a search firm and do, go do a big <laughs> yeah. search. Like the athletic director's probably the athletic director's probably like, yeah, that's fine. You know, yeah. I'm probably going to get fired anyway, so you know, like whatever. I'm gonna. I, it'd, be, it'd be really sad if he was like, man, uh, you know. Chip kind of had us over uh, a barrel in a bad position, so we just had to make the best of a terrible situation. And Foster's probably going to fail, but, you know, we'll give him a chance. He emphasized NIL. He said, we're looking for a coach with integrity, energy, and passion. Someone who's a great teacher and develops young men is a great recruiter and fully embraces the NIL landscape. Deshaun checks all those boxes and then some. And I think that, again, I talk about the I called them the well-heeled uh, boosters and everything. They got to put their money where their mouth is too, because their NIL apparently their NIL war chest is not anywhere near some of the other schools, like namely USC. Mm-hmm. Um, they, so they've got to really kind of step up there. I'm fine with them cutting to the front of the line. You know, I do think there's value in obviously being an All-American player at the school and having that value. It's just you don't really see Power Five schools or whatever we're calling what used to be the Power Five. You don't usually see them hire running backs coaches to to lead their program. You know what I mean? He was a, he was a running backs coach last year. Yeah, that is true. I mean, you don't usually <laughs> see that happen. So, I mean, like, you know, I, I, I hope it works out for him. I truly do. I'm glad he's getting an opportunity. Uh, he deserves it. In terms of, like I said, if you if you have a big time playing career, you just you deserve credit for that. You deserve credit for playing in the NFL. Would his resume be better if he had been an offensive coordinator at some small school versus playing in the NFL? I would say no. I would say that experience is just as valuable. 
I'm reading. You said that, and I just looked up former running backs that have ended up as head coaches. Anthony Lynn. Okay. <laughs> Great start. You know, uh, Cadillac Williams is punching air right now down at Auburn. He's right. like, this could have been me. Like, yes. <laughs> I had the interim tag, and people wanted me, and Auburn didn't give me a chance. He's punching air. Yep. Uh, and uh, some news in golf here. Tiger Woods unveiled his new clothing brand uh, called Sunday Red. Not Sunday. Sunday Red. Okay, I'm glad you specified that. <laughs> why Why the space there? I don't know, honestly. He's saying, I read something, it says sun because he likes to play golf in the day. And then. What? <laughs> like, he, he, likes, huh? he likes the sun. He likes playing golf in the day. And he also, you know, obviously wears red because he's been doing that his whole career. I thought it was going to go sun, S O N. Yeah, that would have been hey, better. Charlie and that I would have been better. Because, you know, my dad, that was a big part of my, my golf upbringing. That would have been a lot better. Uh, but this one. These products will go live on May 1st. Uh, this is in conjunction kind of with TaylorMade. Obviously, his Nike partnership is ended. Uh, and so this is kind of he's getting his own little his own little clothing brand and being able to put his own spin on everything and, and kind of shaking up a little bit of the golf world for himself. New so, logo, too, right? New logo, yeah. I didn't like the logo. I didn't either. I, I, I like the – I'm going to miss the old the Tiger old logo. yeah. I would have been fine with a tiger head or something. I mean, but like, I just don't like the way the tiger looks. I'm fine with it being an actual tiger because, like, you know, you know, horses for polo, you know, alligators for Lacoste or however the hell you say that, Lacoste or that's Lacoste. Okay, You're right. Okay, I got nervous. Oh boy. Because is it is it French? I don't know. I thought maybe they pronounced Lacoste. Lacoste. <laughs> you know, you animals are synonymous. So I'd been fine if we made the tiger a thing. You know, maybe branches out out of just golf apparel, and you know, we're just rocking some tiger polos. But you know, in, in his, at the launch, he said, "It's the right time of my life. It's transitional. I'm no longer a kid anymore. Life changes. I have kids now." That's why he should have went with Sunday, S O N. But maybe it would have made his daughter upset. I saw some people on Twitter making fun of the logo, saying like, "If you just put it vertically, it looks like a, a spine with some vertebrae that are <laughs> yeah <laughs> out of whack a little yeah, bit, yeah, or some plankton or something." <laughs> like, I don't love, I don't love the logo, but when I see it on a hoodie, it looks okay. Yeah, I think he's definitely going for that minimalist vibe, you know. And that's fine. You see it, and you'll be like, "Oh, that's Tiger." Yeah. It just doesn't look like a tiger to me, really. I know. It doesn't scream Tiger Woods to me. It screams just like some other brand. It's new. It's new. Give it a chance. But, like, yeah, that was my initial takeaway. I thought the the name was a little weird. Is Sunday Red maybe a trademark of – you can't get a, you can't get by a trademark copyright with, like, just putting a space between it, can you? I don't know. Because I didn't know, like, know if maybe Nike had a trademark on Sunday Red. I doubt it. But that would be. I mean, it was synonymous with Tiger for a long time. Yeah, I mean, he wore red every Sunday. So, I mean, I, I thought maybe that would be a phrase that was trademarked, but I didn't know if you could just change it. But no, it's not Sunday red, it's Sunday red. No, uh, this brand's not Nike, it's Nike. <laughs> K E Y. Oh, there's a million dollar idea, Sam. Let's start a brand. Nike with a. Why at the we'll end? Flip their logo around. <laughs> yeah, no, we, 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 we can't do the box. We can't do the box or the the check. We got we got to think of something else. But maybe an infinity symbol. Cause we never stop. Mm. We never stop doing it. That's our trademark. Yeah. Never stop. <laughs> never doing stop it. doing it. There you go. <laughs> it's an infinity logo, and our and it's called Nike with a Y because the key to life 
has never stopped doing it. That's mm-hmm. when we came up with the Man. name. Delete all this audio. Because I see Bob's eyes twinkling. He's like, this is a million-dollar idea. No, I'm thinking of uh, – no, man, I'm I'm off on a tangent. I'm thinking of that uh, Andy Samberg movie, Pop Star, Never Stop, Never Stopping. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, never mind. Bob's not in on our million-dollar idea, Sam. We'll have to, we're going to have to do this from the ground up by ourselves. We're <laughs> not going to be able to have these angel investors. <laughs> brick by brick. It. It's fine. We'll do it ourselves. We'll grind like Tiger Woods did for 27 years in golf, he says. Uh, coming out of the NBA – uh, we got a new member of the NBA Finals broadcast team. J.J. Redick is going to be joining Mike Breen and Doris Burke. I personally love this one. I think J.J. Redick has been really good in his time when he's been a when he's been a, a commentator. Personally, I love his podcast. That's like I'm not a huge NBA guy, but that's one of my favorite ways of like consuming NBA content. He seems to be the most logical, rational person mm-hmm. that, that's yeah. in the media, like as a player slash. Talking head. Like, yeah. Zach Lowe is kind of my go-to when it comes to NBA coverage. I like Zach Lowe, but he's not really a talking head. He, he approaches it more from a nerdy, like, reporter standpoint versus, like, giving strong opinions, strong takes. But, like, Zach Lowe's my number one. And then J.J. Rex maybe number two in terms of just logical and rational. I think it's an upgrade. And and I think and I think Doc is is talented as a color analyst, but just from a delivery standpoint and also just a younger perspective, I think it's a good hire for them or good appointment. He was already part of the NBA team as it were. So yeah, I think it's great. I'm going to miss the raspiness of Doc's voice. When, uh, that's a bad Doc Rivers. Yeah. I, I thought I had it in my head. Hold on. That's a hard one, man. It, yeah. it, it has to hurt. It's, it has to hurt your this throat. This guy really raspy. I, yeah. I can't do it, but you, you can picture it. You can hear it when in your head. you wake head. up, it's probably better. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my bad, guys. I ruined the Doc Rivers impression. <laughs> uh, Bob, some big news for you. Indiana State ranked into the top 25 for the first time since the Larry Bird era in 1978 and 79. Nine-game win streak for Indiana State right now. They just debuted at number 23 uh, after a big big weekend, a couple big wins, 11-1 record in the Missouri Valley Conference. Feels well, good. I was going to ask you where they're projected seating-wise. We have Jerry Palm coming on at 9.30. Maybe we can ask him some Indiana State questions. Do you know about right where, where they're out on the seed line? He's got them projected as a 10 seed. They're starting to move out of the 11-12 area yeah. and more into the 9-10 yeah, area. Yeah, it's going to be real funny when we get a Purdue-Indiana State matchup in <laughs> round two, Bob. It's a good time to be uh, from the state of Indiana. There's uh, there's good things happening there. but uh, The big circus freak against this little fat boy that you guys like. What's his name? <laughs> Josh Shirts. Hey. Who are you going to root for? Oh man, that's a tough one. Because you're really? gonna you're gonna talk this into existence, Bob. Sure, you're you gotta State go for the alma mater. You know who Jerry's got them facing in the first round again, provisionally. Kentucky, Indiana State, Kentucky. I would boy, would that be fun if they could knock off Kentucky in the tournament? Well, I'm personally rooting Indiana State gets up to a nine seed, and then they're set set right to play <laughs> Purdue in round two. I don't know if they do that, just geographically speaking, too. They should. You, yeah, they should. Make make the matchups as entertaining as possible. Let's do it. I always see them putting Tennessee and Memphis kind of in that same little bracket where they would play in the second sure, round. Man. So we can't we can't not want Purdue and Indiana State. Let's put the big freak, the big circus freak against the little fat boy. Let's see the two centers <laughs> go at it. Let's do it. Yeah, but it's to to Sam's point, almost uh, forty years 
since then. So it's been a long time. No, almost 50 years. What am I talking about? It's like 45 plus years since they've been ranked. So it's a big deal. I mean, I assume it was Larry Bird, right? Yeah, he was there in 80, right? 80, 78, 70, 79. Yeah, I was going to say 79, 80. Yeah. Robbie Avila would put Zach Eady in a blender. <laughs> well, be careful. Be careful, Bob. You're going to speak this into existence. Well, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> Let's go to break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. Ever been the coach? We got a tweeter writing in, breaking down Tiger's logo. Yes. Said apparently 13 strikes for 13 majors. That's cool. What's he going to do if he wins the 14th one? Has he, has he given up? <laughs> has he given up the chase for 14? We just get two Tigers as the logo instead. <laughs> I just I didn't know that, though. That's, that, that's, that's some thought, though, into the logo, because at first we were saying it was kind of blah, but there's more to it than that. So good for them. I'd rather just have a cool-looking Tiger. But it does make sense as to why it kind of looks like it does and what he was going for. Okay, all right, Tiger, I'll, I'll I'll give it a I'll give it a chance. I want to see how it feels. You gonna buy anything from it, Sam? You gonna buy some Sunday Red? Probably, yeah. Big Tiger guy, yeah. Probably not gonna feel as good as our friends at Inward Half. Inwardhalf.com if you want to experience their performance-driven apparel. They're fashion-forward statement pieces. They got it for the entire family. Todd's been working on some crossover stuff with some Fan Run logos on it to maybe uh, to get out to the public. I'm excited about the way that looks. He sent me some pictures of it yesterday, so we're trying to get the ball rolling on that. I've been telling you about Inward Half for a while, and I want you to experience it. And Go to InwardHalf.com as you get ready for golf season inwardhalf.com bob just showed me his receipt of his inward half purchase yeah i got a couple shipping they're arriving today as a matter of fact there you go told you i like the shirt yeah yeah i appreciate you uh supporting my boy todd and i uh i'm glad that he gave you a free shirt that uh, helped you end up buying a couple more it's good smart by him give you one and then sold you a couple other ones yeah it's a good move i'm a sucker for that Pretty quiet night in college basketball in the grand scheme of things. It was a little head-scratching, at least uh, to the public, to see why Texas Tech was favored by three and a half over Kansas. But then you watch the game played out, and they should have made them 28-point favorites because they won by 29, blew Kansas completely off the court, 79-50. to Sam, does that make you feel better about what happened to Tennessee at Texas A&M, or does it affect you at all? Yeah, it makes me feel a lot better. Um, I, it's just, you know, proves further the point that we've been saying for a while now that it's very hard for a top 10 team to win on the road against an unranked team in college basketball this year. And last night proves it. They, I think they're now two games above 500 unranked teams against top 10 teams on the road. So, I mean, that's it speaks for itself. Yeah, and our guy Will Warren, of course, gives us uh... – an interesting stat, a little niche but good on him for finding it, that Kansas becomes the sixth straight AP-ranked number six team to lose at least one game in a given week. The sixth straight – okay, say this one more time. The sixth straight team ranked number six in the AP poll to oh. lose at least one game in a given week. Tennessee was that team last week. Okay. So don't be ranked six. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so Sam said it made him feel a little bit better about the loss or less bad about the loss to A&M. Bob, do you agree with that? 
Oh, I just think it underscores what we talked about yesterday. That uh, and Sam just touched on it again. It's it is. There's a lot of good teams. Texas Tech was favored because even though they fell out of the rankings, they've been ranked most of the season. It's a good team. There's there's just so many good teams right now that it's hard, man. It's hard to win on the road. Um, I mean, that's very un-Kansas-like. I mean, Bill Self got ejected, which is the first time, at least in his career at Kansas, that he's been thrown out of a game. He said, I'm tired of watching this. Please yeah. get, me, get me out of here. Well, what, Texas Tech had a guy who didn't miss a shot. He had 30 points, 12 of 12 from the field, and a bunch of threes, and uh, two of two from the line. I mean, uh, and that, and that, it was not a guy who just came in on a heater and played only 15, 20 minutes. I mean, he played a lot of minutes, and they, they just – sounds like Texas Tech was dialed in. I literally watched about a minute of that game because, again, I wanted to get some sleep last <laughs> night. So uh, – well, they made but, it easy to turn it off. Yeah, exactly. When I went to bed, Kansas was already down 9 or 10, so it wasn't looking good. Okay, so does it make you feel any type of way about top-ranked teams? Because this season, we kind of keep talking about it, there, there's, there are two teams you feel good about so far. Connecticut and Purdue. They seem like legitimate title favorites. On any given year, their profile matches up with top teams in the country. But once you get past that, I don't know how I feel about the other teams in terms of is there a large gap between being a top 10 team and being unranked? Because so far this year, the answer would be no. Like you're you're more likely to lose if you're on the road than you would be, uh, you know, if you were unranked. Like the unranked teams have a winning record over the top 10 teams at home, of course, but still. I don't know what that number is where, you know, unranked teams are going to top 10 teams, but I know Tennessee got clipped by South Carolina in that scenario. I'm sure it's happened a couple other times. We saw North Carolina get clipped by Clemson. So it's not just like, hey, you know, if you're on the road, you're dead meat. If you're at home, you're not necessarily guaranteed to win either. Does it make you feel worse about the top 10 teams and that maybe Tennessee's ranking and Tennessee being a quote-unquote top 10 team and Kim Palm and all the metrics, maybe that doesn't really matter this year? Well, I think that, and this isn't news. We've been saying this for a little while. You touched on Purdue and Connecticut. They're definitely distancing themselves. There's some separation there for sure. But as far as other teams making the Final Four, I mean, we just saw it last year, too, with Florida Atlantic, San Diego State, Miami making the Final Four. Um, I think after that, it's it's up for grabs. I re- and, I, and I don't think it's for everybody, but I think that it's, you know, Tennessee's in that mix, but there's probably, for sure, there's 10 to 12 teams that could make up those other slots in the Final Four if you, if you kind of consider that Connecticut and Purdue are going to be in there. If you took it that way, there's still two spots. I, I just think there's it's it's open game. Yeah, I'm not even talking Final Four. Because, yeah, I mean, you know, we've had that for the last 15 years. I mean, really since since 2005, you know, that, that was the year that I, did all the one seeds make the Final Four. That wasn't 2005. That was the year Carolina and Illinois played. But there was one year where all the one seeds made it. Was that 08 maybe? Kansas, Memphis? I don't know. But either way, like – after that, you know, we've kind of had some wacky Final Fours most years. 
you know, you've had a couple crashers, you know, VCU and George Mason kind of going back to around that era, like with George Mason and, and Butler. Yeah. Butler did it back to back years. One time as an eight seed, I believe. Like, I mean, you, you've had it happen. UConn won a title. 2008. Yeah. 2008 was what? The year, all the one seeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's weird that I remember that number for that, but the, the final four is a different story. I'm talking about second round. I'm talking about being a one seed on a neutral side against the eight or nine seed. Yeah. I'm talking about, does that even feel like a big advantage anymore? Because I know like a one seed versus a four seed in the Sweet 16 isn't going to feel like a huge thing anymore. Because, I mean, if you're a top four seed, that means you're a top 16 team. And, like, that could be a Baylor this year. That could be a Duke or a Wisconsin, like. I'm not going to feel like that's a huge gap. Now, maybe Wisconsin's not the team to use right now during their four-game losing streak, but the point remains, like, Texas Tech right now is ranked number, like, 21 in the metrics. If they're a four or five seed, like, after what they did to Kansas, you're going to feel confident against them on a neutral site? Like, I, I don't know. And that, it, the other team that played last night that was ranked, Duke, Duke is a yawner to me, man. They do not mm-hmm. – I, I know they're ranked number nine, but – by Duke standards, for sure, they don't they don't look that strong. They look like they're very vulnerable. They're going through what I hope Alabama goes through, which is yeah, we give you credit, historic program, blah 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 blah. But once you lose the coach, you kind of just become somebody, you know, just another program. Because Duke is not a needle mover for me at all anymore. I don't care about Duke at all. Like the, the Duke hate is kind of gone. Is that fair or not to say they're? I don't want to say you know, completely irrelevant, but they're just another program as far as I'm concerned. Like they're a ranked program, and I look at them the same way I look at North Carolina or you know or just any other program. Whereas for the last 20 years, Duke's been more hated than North Carolina. They've been more relevant than North Carolina, and of course more relevant than all these other teams as well. I view they're on a par at this point with like a Baylor for sure. You know, like yeah. on a recurring basis, and that's not a. I don't want to be dismissive of Baylor, but it's just. Teams have gotten better. North, or I'm sorry, Duke has kind of stabilized in a way where they're still recruiting players, but you you nailed, nailed it with a new coach. It's going to take a little bit of time, and they may never get back to where they were. Oh, no, I don't think they're ever going to get back to where yeah. they were. Like, I mean, John Shire could be a really, really great coach. He's not going to be Coach K. Yeah. Because no one's, the remix is never going to be as good as the original. The, the, the guy who follows – a legend's never going to live up to that, and those are unfair expectations. Which, by the way, I was looking at just the Kempom rankings at, for Texas Tech at, at number 21, and I said they might be a four or five seed. Actually, our friend Jerry Palm, who's coming on the program at, at 930, has them as a nine seed right now. And after watching what they did to Kansas, like, do you want to play them in the second round? <laughs> no. That doesn't look like a very big reward. Now, I know teams are better at home than neutral sites on the road. I, I get that, but still. Kansas hasn't won a road game since January sixteenth. They're not. They're not great. They're they're getting the rub for being from being Kansas, but like they're they're just kind of a solid team, and that's kind of what I was talking about this segment. Sam I was like, they were ranked what four last week. If you're if you're another team, you're kind of licking your chops at playing them because like you get the rub of beating a big time program, and like it's a. It's a career to, or a career defining win for some coaches, but a program building win and a resume building win and they're just not that good. It's not as drastic as Kentucky, obviously. Kentucky's giving up the goods and like they're giving SEC fans a, a chance to beat a premier program without actually being any good at all. Kansas is better than that. 
I don't know how big the gap is. Yeah, I, I think Kansas. That's a that's a great point. You talk about Kansas and Kentucky. There, the the marked difference there is Kentucky does have a ton of depth. Kansas is not a very deep mm-hmm. team either. That's the other thing they you know. And I think that's a that's a warning sign in the NCAA tournament is if you you know can't can't go about at least three players deep that can be trouble. I mean, yeah, they didn't have McCuller last night, and that's yeah one of their biggest guys. They can't get any offense outside of that. Yeah, I mean, Kansas feels right for the picking. But, again, they've been a top-10 team all year. And if that's a top-10 team, that tells me there aren't 10 elite teams. You know what I mean? And, like, not to overreact to one game, but when you tell me they haven't won a road game in over a month, that makes me think that they aren't elite. Because, I mean, I'm sure they had some tough road games in there. But, I mean, like, it's Kansas. They're supposed to be able to win on the road. I don't know. I just look at this, and I'm like, I'm not sure there are uh, 10 great teams. And, and and I know the Final Four is going to be a crapshoot, but it feels like the Sweet 16 might be a crapshoot this year. You're right on Jerry Palm's thing. That it would be Purdue playing against maybe Texas Tech in the yep. second round. I would not want to see that. Yeah, I mean, the other eight nines, Boise State, TCU, Florida, St. Mary's. I mean, St. Mary's is a grinder, but like it feels like they're a – the same team that gets to the tournament and can't actually win. Virginia, Michigan State, the other eight nines. Which I guess for, if you're if you're a Tennessee fan listening to this, which I assume you are, maybe you're not worried about the eight nines anymore. You're more worried about the tens and sevens because the two seed seems to be more of your destiny. Yeah, he's got potential Tennessee Ole Miss rematch in the think, second round. I don't think that can happen, can it? That's well. That's what he's got here. He's got. Yeah. He's got that. He's got Butler as a seven. Ole Miss as a ten. Tennessee as a two. So I might be wrong. For some reason, I thought they maybe it's not against the rules, but they just it's like an unwritten rule that they don't do conference games in the well, first cert- or second round. Yeah, certainly not in the first. But yeah. I, I don't know. They can't really control the second. Yeah. But I guess if they did, well, they bracket them somewhere else. But right. Um. Yeah, it's interesting. It'll be interesting to hear. Because we will ask him, you know, he put out his latest bracket yesterday, but now and he had Kansas as a two. I wonder what that, you know, if he was putting it out today, what what would that look like? We'll uh, get the scoop at nine thirty. Sam sends to break. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio. You had a little bit of a feisty, uncharacteristic. At least at this point in his career, moment from Rick Barnes yesterday as he, you know, pretty much said, Hey, trust me, this has been taken care of. AKA, I've let my feelings be heard loudly and pl- clearly about the whole Buzz Williams storming the court and the <laughs> officiating in the Texas AM game on Saturday. Yeah, man, he, uh, a little uncharacteristic for for coach but it's good i'm glad to hear it because it needs to happen and he he really emphasized yesterday in a in his press availability that that is exactly we all kind of deduce this but that's exactly why he called that timeout with 11 seconds to go too was to get in the ref's ear about i'm going to keep raising hell about this you know you guys have got to tighten up here this is wrong and he said also that He's telling his players, if that ever happens again, you just knock them down. If you, if they're in your way, run them over. Doesn't matter. Well, I, I believe it was Jason Kidd who used to do that in the NBA. Like if a coach had gotten on too far, like he went out of his way. I yeah. can't remember which coach it was. He hit maybe Mike Woodson or somebody, but like he dribbled into the coach 
to draw a technical because the coach had gotten too far on the court and he just sought him out and just dribbled right into him. Yeah. Maybe that was him. Maybe I'm confusing Jason Kidd because I know he was the one that got the cheap timeout for getting uh, letting a player <laughs> knock the coke out of his hand. Have you ever seen that video, Sam? Yeah. Where he yeah. gets a he, he's like, hit me, hit me, and he drops a coke to explode it on the floor. That way they have to come out and clean it up so he gets a free timeout. So, you know, Jason Kidd, uh, maybe I'm confusing those. But, yeah, Rick Barnes is like, hey, next time on the court, run their ass over. And I don't know if he said ass, but I am. It's too bad the guy who could have run him over was was Tobey too. I mean, Tobey could have trucked him, uh, but he you know was a nice guy and kind of avoided him. And um, yeah, so I I like seeing that because uh, that was wrong. I mean, that God, you know, Barnes stating the obvious that a hundred percent should have been a technical foul. I mean, it wasn't even close. Uh, so. Why can't I remember more important things in my life? <laughs> I why, why couldn't I have been better at school? Why couldn't I remember something good? Why do I remember Jason Kidd drilling into Mike Woodson? Because I just Googled it, and that's who it was. Like, yeah, why? That's uh, that's meta for sure. Man, that's uh, Why do I remember that? I, I guess it was when Mike Woodson was with the Hawks, so maybe that's why. Maybe it was just like a Hawks thing. But why can't I remember important things that benefit my life? Me Me having that stored in my brain does nothing for me at all. <laughs> was Woodson the head coach for the Hawks? Yeah, yeah, the... he was. Uh, he was the head coach for. He looks a lot like Steve Harvey too. He, yeah, he uh, <laughs> he was a coach during the, like the resurgence, whenever like in 08, you know, like whenever they finally made the playoffs and were kind of that that middling team that was always like the four seed that was going to maybe win one playoff series and lose to LeBron the next round or the Bulls and get swept. Like, yeah, he was he was a coach until probably about 2012 or so. Because he, I, I only remembered him. Maybe. He was with the Knicks too as head coach. I'm pretty sure he went straight from the Hawks to the to the Knicks. He's not made the transition to the college game very well. No, no, he seems like he is going to be out. Yeah. Like I don't know how long Indiana is going to keep him. But yes, I, I don't know how or why that is seared into my brain. I wish it was more useful information that I could remember, but. <laughs> Rick Barnes, do you remember when he was feisty? Oh, yeah. I was going to say that because, I mean, that that was kind of before my time, the whole, oh. you know, the the Dean Smith, Rick Barnes rivalry. That's why I clarified, like, the quotes almost seemed like a young Rick Barnes, you know, not not the old, much more calm Rick Barnes. Well, if you think about it, he's it's almost like the roles have changed. Back then, he was trying to get Clemson on the map, and Carolina was the standard, mm-hmm. and, you know, he – you could argue that was the whole thing. Carolina and Dean Smith were probably getting calls and everything else. And um, yeah, I do remember that. Uh, I I didn't care too much back then because, you know, current day, I didn't know Rick Barnes was going to cross paths with Tennessee and with me and everything else. But yeah, I remember it well. Do you think we get calls? I don't. Like, I don't think there's anybody in our fan base that thinks we get calls, right? And it, it does kind of drive me crazy when you mention the Dean Smith Carolina getting calls because I'm sure they did get protected by the conference. Yeah. And you could argue that maybe they should have gotten protected by the conference because, hey, it's a business and, hey, you know, they're they're better and all these things. And you kind of understand the biases there. But, like, Rick Barnes, at this point, is he not like the elder statesman? Of the SEC? I mean, I guess you could say Calipari's had a better career than him, but, like, that's it, right? Like, Calipari and, and Barnes, that's pretty much it. And if you want to throw Calipari out for some of the cheating scandals, you know, at two places, and just say Rick Barnes should be kind of who 
the NCAA is looking at is like, hey, this is the guy we want. Not a guy that bastardized the game with the one and done. Not a guy who cheated the game with, you know, ACT or SAT cheating with Derrick Rose. I can't remember which one or whatever happened with Marcus Camby at UMass. Like, I don't recall Barnes really ever being mentioned at all in any scandals. No. Maybe there was something from from Providence or, or Clemson or early in Texas that I don't recall, but I don't think he has. As far as one and duns go, yeah, I mean, I know Kevin Durant and, you know, Kenny Chandler. I don't know if Marcus Aldridge was one and done. I thought he was maybe two years. But either way, like, he didn't bastardize it the same way that John Calipari did. Point being, like, Rick Barnes should kind of be who the SEC is looking at. as like, hey, this is what we want in our college coaches. The Tennessee basketball programs won a lot of games. In most situations, you would think, hey, they get kind of maybe the benefit of the whistle. No, no, I don't. I don't think we've ever gotten really the benefit of the whistle for a prolonged, prolonged time. I'm not saying we haven't gotten the benefit of the whistle in a game, like maybe one game or two. Like you've gotten the, hey, you know, you've gotten some good calls, but just for a prolonged stretch. I'll draw another corollary to that because uh, I agree. I think the other thing is, I'm seeing it in the the rankings. Latest AP poll comes out. Kentucky is. They're in a bit of a free fall. They really are. and They, they suck. And they continue to be ranked. I mean, they they keep dropping them only a few few notches. If Tennessee lost the, the, the body of games that Kentucky has lost, they wouldn't be ranked. Guaranteed. Guaranteed. Um, do you guys agree with that? Sam, I see you nodding your head. Completely agree. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah the, the name brand does seem to be carrying weight for Kentucky because I don't know what else it would be because you can't point to, like, Anything they've done on the court, you can't really point to any big wins they've had. Like, what's their biggest win so far this year? Miami. That's not a good win. What's their second biggest win? Like, leading Kansas for 35 minutes of that <laughs> yeah. game? Like, I mean, just beating them until they lost? Like, I guess I, North Carolina. They beat North Carolina. That's yeah, right. I forgot yeah, about yeah, Carolina. Yeah. I, th- I thought they had one win. I, I, I forgot about the Miami one. But, yeah, the, the North Carolina win. But, like, outside of that, their second best accomplishment is, yeah, we, we – Beat Kansas for 35 minutes. Dillingham scored 30-something points against Tennessee. Like, they don't have anything to point to. So, like, I don't understand why they would be ranked unless you're just like, hey, talent, talent, talent. They got two quad one wins. I don't know what the second one would be. Maybe that is Miami. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Probably. But, they, yeah, they've lost three of four. And the one win they had was at Arkansas, and that was hardly impressive. Um, and Vanderbilt. No, they, they won Oh, that's out. right. They yeah. ran Vanderbilt off. Yeah. That's true. But yeah, but I mean, like, that's not impressive either. I no. was just saying they had a win. But yeah, they got a quad three loss, a quad two loss. I mean, I don't understand why they're still ranked, especially whenever there are teams that are probably, you know, on the outside that have proven more this year. But, I mean, in football, of course, everyone's going to be like, yeah, yeah, hell yeah, the SEC has protected Alabama for a long time. People think that they, you know, protect Kentucky. The rupperies are a thing. <laughs> I just wonder, like, is that ever going to switch? Like, I mean, is Kentucky just getting to be the the premier program until the end of time? Can we get a little recency bias here, please? Or is it just going to transition right from Kentucky basketball to Alabama basketball? Like, hey, Nick Saban's gone, but don't worry, Nate Oates, we got you. (laughs) We'll give you the calls. Speaking of which, right now, Tennessee is, I guess, getting set for their court case today. Yeah. I haven't read a whole lot about that recently. You you had to remind me about it. It's like there was so much there was so much of a storm when it came out and then then it's been quiet. But yes, today's the day. 
the state of Tennessee against the NCAA. And, you know, we didn't really mention it yesterday because it was such a jam-packed Super Bowl show. But, like, over the weekend, Josh Heupel officially joined Tennessee in its fight against the NCAA in federal courts. And said, hey, you are doing damage to us right now. I'm joining the federal lawsuit. Tweeter sent in, shout out to DR Vol for, for uh, tweeting in that the uh, there's a huge orange flag flying, I guess, near the courthouse, which... Did we not see the pleas from the school? Did you expect anything different? And the lawyers. Did we not see the pleas of, like, don't make this a circus? Now, this isn't the same thing as, like, a vol walk that people were trying to plan and... And tailgating and doing all those dumb things. But, like, flying a big-ass power T is not a great look either. Sam, you said they rented a crane? Yeah, it's on, like, a crane. Okay, I didn't see what it was on. It looked like it was just on, like, a, uh, just a, I guess, a pole to me. But maybe we're looking at a different one, or is that the same thing? Um, I think the picture that you're seeing, it kind of looks like it's a pole because there's a lady standing in front of it. But, yeah, it's a straight-up crane just in a parking lot across the street. Yeah, okay. It's, so It's yeah. obvious, yeah. Oh, I now see the crane. Okay. Yep. yep. <laughs> okay, so not – when I think crane, I was thinking way taller. So at least okay, it's yeah. not – It's not like a construction okay. crane. No, okay. no, no. It's like a – I don't know. It's it's about – what would you say, 20 feet in the air? Yeah. One of those little chair lifts, I guess. I don't a know chair what to probably, say. A chair yeah. lift is probably a, a better description of what you're – Somebody – when you see the city, you, you know – Working on the phone lines and yes, stuff. It's, yes, exactly. It's about like that. Yes, yes. When I think of crane, I was like, wait, like the one like they use like to <laughs> take off the ju- like, oh, Butch Jones off the jumbotron, like that type of crane. Like <laughs> no, they had no, to rent no. one of those, like because I was told that took years to get. Like you know, I remember that saga. Like it was impossible to get a crane there. Like, do you think that in the picture, the the guy who's rented this is also in the truck, just sitting next to it, like just wanting to see if anybody messes with it, or is he admiring his work, or? Is it a personal crane? How close is this to the courthouse? Because this courthouse... Oh, it looks right across the street. Where is this picture? Trey, Trey Wallace, Wallace posted Trey it. Trey Wallace yeah. posted it, but like, oh, where's okay. the courthouse in this? Because, okay, I think I see it in the second picture. I was going to say, because the parking lot looks pretty janky. I, yeah. I don't know if I like the area that we're having this lawsuit in. I don't know if that, if I if I trust the decision makers in this courthouse. Or maybe they're a little bit seedier and easier to get a hold of. Who's more likely to bribe the judges in this scenario, Tennessee or the NCAA? Who's more willing to bribe the judges? Probably us. Probably us? I think so. I don't know. The NCAA is pretty crooked. Although we got got a little bit of a rap sheet, too. (laughs) Yeah. God, that's... It seems a little janky. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what I pictured when I was thinking about this, you know, this legal battle getting ready to play out in courts, but I, I did expect it to be a little bit nicer than this. They're saying they put a time limit on it too. It can on only... the crane? No, <laughs> you can only fly this flag until no. until noon. On the on the hearing today, they're saying uh, it can only go as long as three hours. As long as three hours? Yeah. We got, until lunch, we got to yeah. go. We got to get out of here. It's time to eat. <laughs> Relatable. We got to go take pictures in front of the crane. Um, that's now that I'm seeing that crane, Sam. Sorry, you. It is a crane, but you oversold it a little. Yeah, it's no, kind of like it's almost did. that's a borderline cherry picker, which is <laughs> what you do to you know like hang lights and yeah. stuff. It's, it's a chairlift. It's a, yeah. maybe they can put Danny in it and have him hoist him down. No, walk him into the courthouse. No, because we don't want to make a circus out of this, Sam. And 
I do. What, like, what was the purpose of this? Something because... tells me Sam wanted to be down there. That's why he's talking <laughs> this up so much. He's got a little bit of. Uh, I haven't seen anybody yeah, step FOMO forward happening here. I haven't seen anybody step forward and claim this yet. So it's like it wasn't like somebody was wanting necessarily to go viral and become a celebrity. They just wanted to represent the power T, I guess. <laughs> Moving in silence <laughs> for the power T, represent the brand, I guess. Okay. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's uh, wow. Oh, you know, just while I'm thinking about it, back to college basketball for a second. You know, we were talking about Kentucky. Cal has a presser yesterday, and I think he he figures he says this. It's going to make it all all right. He goes, "We're going to be fine. We're built for March." And that's mm-hmm. all he said. It's like, wow. All right. You know, I, I got to give him a little bit of a tip of the cap there because that's a pretty good response to criticism in February. Is check back in March? <laughs> yeah. Like I, you know, like what can you say to that? Well, you lost to St. Peter's. Ah, don't matter. This is a new team. We're this team is built for March. Check back. I don't think we'd hear it'd be a problem if Barnes said that. Well, yeah, because I mean, to be fair to Rick Barnes, or to not be mean to Rick Barnes, he hasn't been to as many Final Fours as Coach Cal. Yeah, Rick Barnes hasn't had the uh, the tournament success that Coach Cal has. Now, you know, you could say recently Coach Cal hasn't had any success. But he can still say, hey, I know what a Final Four team looks like, guys. And check back in March. This is a Final Four team. And then when the season's over and you lose in the second round, just don't show up to the press conference. Yeah. Just say, oh, it's a really tough year. We'll be better. And then just disappear for a little bit. This wasn't a Final Four team. Yeah, you know, <laughs> upsets happen. <laughs> We're going to be better next year. That's all you got to say. Like, that's a pretty good strategy. Actually, he can, he does, he'll do what he normally does. We're banged up. They were hitting every shot. I mean, he, he, he doesn't mind deflecting. For sure. He's he's actually good at it. And then the season's over and you go home. Yeah. Rather than having to answer these questions for the next month, just say, hey, we're built for March. My dog. Check back. My dog. <laughs> my dog. My dog's going to make it, and my dog's in the locker room. We're built for March. <laughs> Check back. It's pretty good. It does kind of suck in the regular season that Rick can't say that. He can't say that. Coach Cal. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, our position is more like, "Hey, man, enjoy right now." Yeah. That's that's what you need to enjoy. Well, and you know, that's to what the, I've been saying, to actually, the, to the fans who get mad at regular season losses, I kind of side with them just because that is the mentality we have: is enjoy the regular season, take these games seriously. Yeah, because we don't necessarily have a lot of confidence in March. Nah, I think you know this team could maybe break through, and if this team doesn't make the elite eight, I'm going to be pretty disappointed. But, yeah, we have to live and die with the regular season losses because, you know, that's what we've been sold that matters. And I do agree. Like, the larger sample size, I'd rather be good in the regular season, year in, year out, than have, like, one Elite Eight run every five or six years. I know that might sound crazy to some, but I'd rather have the sustained program of being really good. Lady Vols won big last night. They're built for March. Aren't they? That's all. That's all <laughs> Kelly's got to say. Just don't let us get in the tournament. And don't let us get hot. <laughs> Built for March. Uh, That'd be even more foolish if she said it. <laughs> yes. But she's not built for the regular season either. So maybe she should try it. I don't know. Hour two in the books. Hour three. We'll talk with Jerry Palm. CBS Sports. We'll get some bracketology updates. Some Tennessee profile updates. That comes up at nine thirty. It's the morning show on Fan Run Radio eBay Motors.